0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the newest episode of Riptide Rewind, a Percy Jackson podcast. I'm here today to talk about the Percy Jackson TV show and the newest episode that was released this past week and take a deep dive into it. I'm Kaylin, your fellow Percy Jackson enthusiast and host of this podcast. This podcast is divided into four different sections, an episode rewind, specific scene in Greek mythology deep dive, some of my absolute favorite parts of the show, and Easter eggs, which, again, foreshadowing parallel easter egg moments it's kind of all mushled together at this point disclaimer as always if you have not seen the show or read any of the books yet there will be spoilers so i do suggest going back watching the show or reading the books before you listen to these episodes that is all books including heroes of olympus through right now at least don't worry i will still be here when you're done We are about to deep dive into some very emotional information today. We head to the underworld, Annabeth doesn't fall, yet, and Poseidon and Sally have a very emotional exchange. And now with that out of the way, let's take a deep dive into the next episode of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. We find out the truth. Sort of. So throughout this entire episode, there is a lot of cutting back and forth between a flashback with our baby Percy and Sally, and then our trio obviously traveling through the underworld. We get a lot more backstory for Percy and Sally, and how Sally is just truly struggling in this situation. One thing that I was not expecting at all, and I had a couple moments during this particular episode, was coming out of this episode liking Poseidon. Now, I'm not excusing everything he did or what he didn't do. I am just simply saying that I really like the way he's being portrayed in this particular episode. And the voiceover at the end, I was completely and absolutely shell-shocked. I was not expecting it at all. And I also think nobody's really talking about it. Like, it's, it's so good. More on that later, though. Uh, Let's get into the Rewind. After, of course, a recap from earlier in the series, which is different from previous ones because in previous episodes, we have only seen little flashbacks of what happened in the last episode, like, beforehand. And in this one, we get Ares talking about Kronos. Was this, like, a little bit of foreshadowing to what happens later in the episode when, like, Percy finds out who is actually behind all of this? Maybe... Did I see this at first? Absolutely not, but looking back on it, it was strange that they were changing this into a flashback to like capture the flag, the conversation between the Aries and the trio, and it was, it was just interesting. I, I think it also shows that we're getting very close to the end and the stakes are rising. The resolution is coming and so is the end of this part of the story. Wow, that's really sad. We can't get too sad yet though. We open up with Percy walking into Krusty's waterbed palace. This was a fantastic way of adding in this section of the story without getting sidetracked or wasting more time, since they are obviously already very, very, very behind schedule on this quest. We meet Krusty, who is the same actor who played Charon in the Percy Jackson movie, so that's pretty cool. There is a difference automatically that Percy knows exactly who Krusty is, either from Annabeth or Sally. It was kind of nice to see Percy understanding what is going on in this moment. Krusty, a son of Poseidon, murder of travelers, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the first other son of Poseidon we have seen and been introduced to in the series so far. The red ball makes an appearance. It serves as like the stress toy for Grover right now, but later it is greatly appreciated when a certain dog comes into play. Percy gives Annabeth and Grover each a pearl that was gifted to him last episode by the Nereid, And at one point, Krusty jumps into their conversation from the other room. I just found this so funny. Just also so relatable. I have three siblings, and it just reminds me every single time somebody will say something, the peanut gallery from upstairs always has to butt in. It's, again, very relatable. Let's go get your mom. Okay, so at this point, the bolt is just basically a second quest. We are really focusing on Sally right now, which seems appropriate since the deadline is passed and it seems like it is definitely more important to note right now. And it's just kind of killing two birds with one stone when still going to the underworld. And into the underworld we go! Okay, quick thing I noticed before we move on, is that in pretty much every single episode, we get a recap uh, when the title page comes up before we get into the story. It is completely different in this episode, though. Random thought, but it comes in after the trio enters the underworld, which is fascinating. Again, it may just be because we are getting to the end, they changed some things up. I'm just probably diving way too deep into it, but I just thought I'd add that in. And we jump back to our first section of flashbacks in this episode, Sally and Percy are sitting in a car outside which seems to be Percy's new school and it is quite outside the city so nowhere near where Sally and Percy would normally be living. Also I love to see that Sally was the one who introduced Percy again to so many movies. It's absolutely adorable and just expands on their bond even more. I absolutely love this mother-son relationship. Percy is absolutely refusing to go and the way we are starting to see the struggle that Sally is going through just to do the best for her child is so heartbreaking. As Percy unlocks the door, finally letting Sally in, we all get whisked back away into the present where our trio has finally entered the underworld. And guys, I don't know what I was expecting of the underworld and what it was going to look like but the visuals were absolutely stunning with the wall such the gate to the underworld and then like the river sticks that we don't see until a little later but we know it's there the fog that is like covering it to make it seem like a lot more mysterious it was just gorgeous although I say I don't know what the underworld looks like in it but I definitely had my own visions as I read the book I did think that the gate kind of looked like a toll booth in my mind. Okay, tell me why I pictured the entire underworld like a Minecraft cave or like underground in Minecraft because that is literally what I pictured it as. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I really don't. But now really thinking about it, I was like, oh wow, yeah, I don't know where I got that visual from, but this is a lot more stunning. (laughs) We're not in Kansas. Percy quoting his mom from the flashback that we literally just got was so wholesome. I love when shows or movies do that. Annabeth just looks genuinely confused about it. Our girl has never seen a movie in her life. More of a reason for Percy to expose her to all of this. It's pretty funny. Now starting to head towards the main gate after Annabeth had had enough of Grover's loud toy... We are pushing our way through a sea of dead people who are just trying to make it through to the afterlife. Percy is like, this isn't even the worst of it. You should spend some time in New York with me and maybe you'll see that. And it just again reminds us that Percy is from the great state and city of New York. I just find that really, really funny and also a great just like reminder to us that this boy is a city boy. With the wind blowing in our faces, we come face to face with Charon, the boatman, that leads the dead over the river Styx and into the underworld. He immediately knows that they are not dead. I was waiting, 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 waiting anxiously for the... We died in a very big bathtub line, but it never came. I am kind of sad about this, but you know what? Oh, well, we're past the joking point, really. We get the iconic line of, I mean, we're all dying to some extent, so didn't quite make up for it, but, you know, I'll I'll let it slide. It's all right. Then we try to pay our way through, but, you know, it obviously doesn't work because the dead don't want money, unlike others, and just, he just didn't take it. And they are chased by our big friendly dog, Cerberus. Poor Grover literally gets swallowed up by him. Was not expecting this to happen. I saw him, like, trip. That was it. I did not even notice he was eaten, quote-unquote, the first time until he crawled out of Cerberus's mouth later. Fun times in the underworld. with and Percy still running away. End up getting split up in the mist slash fog. Also, can I just talk about Cerberus for a moment? Because he's just absolutely adorable. I'm so glad that they went with this depiction of him, like, as a Rottweiler. It's just easily lovable, yet also easily terrifying in the same way. Anyway, Percy, stopping when realizing he has no clue where Annabeth is, turns around to find her eventually through the fog, scratching Cerberus to calm him down. I loved this reference to the books and the chapter name and Annabeth's knowledge about dogs in general, learning them from her dad. Anyway, as Cerberus takes a quote-unquote quick nap, Grover ends up climbing out of one of the head's mouths, Again, not realizing he was swallowed at first, I was very surprised. Grover flies Percy up the wall, leaving poor Andereth on the back of the dog, being stuck with the task of continuing to scratch the dog, because if not, Cerberus will chase them. Again, so fun. Andereth slips, almost falls off the dog. We don't really know what's going on with, you know, Percy and Grover at the top of the wall. And the red ball makes an appearance again. It is thrown up to Percy. Still no sign of Annabeth. Cerberus jumps up at us. Again, I was not expecting that to come at me, but it made me jump. Annabeth, (sighs) you're not supposed to uh, be hanging off the edge of a cliff yet. What is, what is, what is it with Rick and cliffs? Just curious. The amount of times that we are found jumping off of cliffs, hanging off of cliffs, falling off of cliffs, it's actually probably a lot more than you would think. Percy, with the help of Grover, pulls Andabeth up. She then plays fetch with Cerberus and he ends up leaving the trio alone as they figure out that they should probably head to Hades Palace and start into the actual underworld even though we are in the underworld I guess we're in the underworld already oh and also Grover lost Pearl he had it in his pocket and when he was you know swallowed by Cerberus it must have came out so you know if it ever breaks Cerberus may be transported up to Santa Monica who knows coming back to the flashback storyline of this episode we cut back to baby Percy and Sally Sally is talking headmaster of Percy's new school. There is some arguing happening here between the two. The headmaster quickly explains to Sally that they are not going to take Percy because of the drawing he had drawn and shown his school counselor, saying that he saw something at the top of the gymnasium so based on the information we have already had from previous episodes we can gather that this is an event that happened after the flashbacks that we actually got at the very very beginning of the season in episode one sally is trying so hard to try to get her child into the school and the fact that percy can see through this doorway because the door is open it just Immediately, I was like, he's going to blame himself in some way. Sally saying she can't accept no for an answer. Oh my god, the emotion, it's already building up. I was expecting to be emotional during this episode, and it was, it was on point. It was, it was there. It definitely riled me up just a little bit. And we're back in the underworld. With our trio now walking through a dark forest, which we then find out are the field's Asphodel. Anyway, our trio is trying to figure out because the math here says that there are only three pearls and four people who need to leave the underworld. Percy ends up giving Grover the extra pearl and says nothing more than basically he's going to be staying behind. And of course, our favorite dog, Cerberus, just has to continue to chase us because, you know, drama. So our trio ends up running away and in the process, Annabeth unfortunately gets separated And I'm sorry, the way that he shouts her name here, I mean, the way he has shouted her name in this entire episode, whoa, Persebeth, that's all. We find Annabeth being rooted down? What? This was one of the first what's that I whated in this entire episode? I was not expecting this at all. But she has a pearl and will use it to leave the underworld. But the bigger issue is that we still have the dog chasing after them. Percy and Grover run and end up at the mouth of Tartarus. Well, I guess we don't really know it's Tartarus yet. But this is exactly why Cerberus has stopped chasing them. The flying shoes take over, dragging Grover into the mouth of the pit. Peace out, shoes. Have fun down there. Maybe we'll get a comeback of you in House of Hades. That would be a fun little ad for them to. If they hopefully get that far. Also, quick pause, I really liked how Grover and Percy are finishing this quest together. It really emphasizes on their relationship as well and throughout this entire series so far, I feel like I personally have really focused on Annabeth and Percy's relationship because they- they just- it just holds such a dear place in my heart. But Percy and Grover's relationship is so important as well and it has also blossomed and developed immensely throughout this entire season and I really hope that they continue to build on this especially going forward in future seasons because I really do love their relationship dynamic and they just seem so close it's Percy's first ever real friend that he has ever had and they just have such a special bond so again I really hope that they continue to flesh out their relationship We then get a reveal that happens a lot sooner than it did in the books, and again, I was not expecting, so another what came out of my mouth. And then again, making the quest to save Percy's mom the main situation here and not the bolt, which I found was an interesting choice. But again, they're already past the deadline, it made sense for them to figure this out before they reached Hades Palace. Also, was the backpack just like a whatever you can find or whatever you could fit in the bag because that bolt was not the size of the bag. It was significantly bigger and the bag seemed to be never-ending. Kind of like a Mary Poppins bag maybe? I don't know. Also the design of the bolt was beautiful. It was beautiful. This resolution we get at this point that Aries stole the bolt Percy is able to put two and two together to figure out that Ares gave Percy the backpack. Therefore, he stole the bolt because the bolt was inside the backpack. Wow, that was confusing. Anyway, we also still believe that Hades is the bad guy here. And also the fact that Grover is like, yeah, this is a quest. But you know what? Let's go get your mom first. Zeus can wait. Friendship. I am here for it. I am loving it. Hashtag. Demigods before gods. Back in the past, we have Sally and baby Percy sitting at the diner. This is before Sally has to go and drop him off at his new school again. Sally, oh my god, poor Sally, poor Percy. She is trying to explain to him that it is hard, but you know, it's for the best for Percy. Percy is not having it, and with that, Sally decides Certainly, under distress, leaves to go pay. I want to touch more on this later, so I won't say too much on it now. We are back in the present with just Percy and Grover and the giant gate of Hades Palace in front of us. They are going to go up and meet Hades himself. They both look so tiny as they enter, and I find it so funny. They are miniature compared to the span of the underworld. It's completely wild. It also just shows how big this place is in general compared to them right to business percy asks for his mother and they follow hades around the corner to a, like a living area which is pretty cool where sally stands golden pale little mark of athena reference sorry continuing on sally is there frozen in time just as hades brought her from when she was basically being squeezed to death by the minotaur Mother mother, and son turning to gold in the span of the same season. Hades did not steal the master bolt. He actually just wants his helm of darkness back that we didn't even know it was stolen. May I note, thinking that Percy stole the bolt, he took Sally so Percy would come down here and find him. So we find out that Hades is in fact, you know, not the bad guy that we were thinking and there is something bigger working here. Percy with his own wit figures it out that it is in fact Kronos who is behind this all. With Hades now insisting that they give him the bolt so he can be ready for Kronos, Percy and Grover use their pearls to escape. Going down a slide like they are at Great Wolf Lodge. Now to the emotional flashback that I personally have been waiting all season for. This was a highly anticipated scene for me and it did not disappoint at all. Sally and Poseidon share a very, very, very vulnerable moment. I was not expecting to um have Sally make an offering and him show up within seconds after she offered it. I will talk about more of this later, but it just shows the restraint that Zeus has most likely put on Poseidon for not being involved with Percy and not reveal himself until he is, he absolutely needs to. Just one more reason to hate Zeus. And anyway, it was just absolutely beautiful. I loved it. and I want to touch more on it later. Another great transition that we see If I didn't mention earlier, they had a great transition between another flashback and them entering the underworld. They are just on fire with the transitions in this episode. Was I the only one who got chills during this ending scene? We end up back at the beach with Poseidon having a voiceover, and Annabeth is back. She helps Percy up. She helps him up. Sorry, and then in the distance we see Ares. Heading our way, sword in hand, the malicious look on his face and the pure anger on Percy's just shows that this fight is on and I am so excited for it. I am sad Annabeth didn't make it all the way to the palace with Percy and Grover, but at the same time, it just, it just made sense. It also makes me wonder if this betrayal that we will get at the end with Luke will be even worse now that she wasn't there to witness the flying shoes and the resolutions that were made at Hades Palace. Because I feel like with her smarts, she would have maybe been able to put it together right away and it just would have made more sense to her than it would with Percy and Grover. I don't know. It just... I'm not ready for it and also it just strengthens the bond between Grover and Percy more. They started this together and the way that they ended it together too, it was beautiful. I was also really hoping we would get this also much anticipated Aries fight in this episode but looking back on it, it did make sense to wait and now I'm just on the edge of my seat with anticipation for next week's episode. I am so excited. Moving on to some deep dive things, there is a wide variety of scenes today that I want to go over. So let's dive in. First up, we have Krusty's waterbed palace. Okay, so this particular scene, again, I was very glad that they kept this in, even though they kind of changed the reason that they were there. And it was also super important that Percy knew who Krusty was, especially since, like, he went in alone. It just made complete sense in this situation. Okay, I'm going to get into this again, but the conversation that we are getting between this so-said monster and Percy and the rest of the trio is super important. The fact that there isn't, again, like a fight scene and whatnot and just a conversation and it's either a win or a lose is super, super important when talking about character growth and development as the series continues, not just here, but in the past that we've seen and in the future as well. I know there has been a, like, a lot of criticism and backlash with people who are upset about the fact that there aren't many like long fight scenes. And for me, it just totally made sense that they weren't long. He's a 12-year-old kid who's still learning what he's good at. And if there were fight scenes that were longer, giving Percy... The ability to have this knowledge about the creatures we've seen in the past, the monsters we are seeing now, allows him a little bit of an advantage in these situations and then again making it so much worse when we face certain situations and have to navigate them in the future this is just my take on it and everyone is allowed to have their own opinions but this is why I believe that these fights have been shorter and I will continue to defend this and stand by it because I really believe it to be true and I also think that they are doing it for the greater good of the show and again show that there has been character development power development power growth whatnot as the series continues okay tangent over When Krusty is talking to Percy about the beds in this scene, he seems to hit a very soft spot when Krusty says that the beds will help him fit. The fact that Percy hasn't really fit in to anywhere basically in the past and has always felt out of place, this really hits. He's felt like the world is, it's a puzzle and he has half the wrong pieces, as we've heard in the past. And We can immediately see with the way that his face falls, he really starts thinking uh, about this. But also the way that he is not going to let this bother him anymore also shows a lot about Percy. Annabeth showing up then and sticking up for him and also defending Percy in this way it also just shows the character development that we are seeing here. I feel like in this episode in particular we really see Annabeth's defensive side come out for the people that she loves. We haven't really seen this in the past in the show specifically and I know in the book she you know calls Percy a dummy or an idiot at least once or twice. But to see her saying it here to another person defending him just again goes to show how far we have come and how they will literally do anything to protect each other in these situations and circumstances. But it also shows how Annabeth has been able to open up to him and really let him in a little bit more. He is her one true friend right now and to this point he is really her true and really at this point only friend. Someone who sees the best and worst in her but also just sees her as another person. Let me explain. At camp, she is a head counselor. She has she has to keep up a front for, well, you know, fame and glory and everything that Camp Half-Blood stands for. This quest that she's gone on with Percy and Grover has changed her perspective on a lot of things that we have seen. So the fact that she is now, like, she has these friends that know her more... As a person and less as the person she is at camp is so important for their friendship and again character growth as well I know I can seriously talk about this for hours and I will stop here before this turns into a long tangent again but it is literally so true and I'm excited to see how again they expand on this specifically for Annabeth's character next up we have the fields of Asphodel the way that immediately Grover knows something is going to happen and one of them is going to have to stay behind sets the tone for this entire scene. It is clear that the math is not mathing, but Percy is like, I'm going to stay behind no matter what. The loyalty that we are seeing come out of him in this episode in particular, his fatal flaw, it's so clear. Based on the scenes that we got in the Fields of Asphodel, I do have to say I was not expecting this part of the underworld to look like this. I was kind of expecting it to be kind of just a never-ending field of souls just wading through like wheat or grass endlessly. Not the people turning into trees tied down by their regrets. It was deep and also very sad. I knew based on the trailer and the little snippets that we got at the end of last episode that Annabeth wasn't going to be in this entire episode as it was, but I was not at all expecting this to happen. And bound by regret? What What regret? Was it obvious? Am I just being oblivious like the characters again? Because at one point I did kind of think it was about sending Medusa's head to Olympus, But what else could there be? Her family, Talia, Luke, I seriously want to know. I want to know so badly. The way that Grover and Percy immediately try to free her, even though she says it is no use. And even when Grover stands up, Percy doesn't. He looks up at her and is like, no, I am not letting this happen to you. It's, again, loyalty, fatal flaw. Don't want anything bad to happen to the people I love ah, the look on Percy's face when he realizes he will have to leave her here is just pure disbelief and he really just does not want to believe this in this moment. It really shows, again, his fatal flaw and their growth and development as friends. At the beginning of the quest, he would definitely not have this same reaction that we are having now and they have just come so far in the fact that it has come for one of them to leave and the other to continue just parallels yet again their just their dynamic is just my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. It is so fascinating to see their growth and the relationship that they have between between each other and I know I say this quite often, but I absolutely love seeing all of this come to life on screen. This is the foundation for all of their relationships and friendships and we can really only go up from here. I'm not going to say it's a smooth ride, but you know what? It's it's going to be absolutely amazing to unpack in future seasons. We will see them go through so much and come out stronger and come out with a stronger bond on the other side. Okay, heading to Hades Palace. Again, this entire section is just kind of out of order somewhat because I want to say the emotional stuff for, you know, the last bit of it. First of all, the palace, it is stunning, gorgeous, everything I could have ever wanted. Again, I'm the one that pictured the underworld as like a Minecraft tunnel, so I don't know what I was expecting, and I don't think my opinion should be included in on this, but I was definitely not expecting the palace to literally be hanging upside down. I think one of the main things that I did really, really like that they, um, did in this particular just complete underworld scene in general was not make it completely dark there is light and it's not completely snuffed out in any sort of of any sort of light which i personally really enjoyed because you can really see everything and it just added the dynamic of the underworld that it is not all completely dark like it's the afterlife there can come good things of it too The way that Percy goes straight to the point, straight to the fact that he wants his mother, just shows how determined he is at this point. I personally just loved the way that they portrayed Hades in the series. It just seemed right. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just exactly what I was expecting from him. There was a lot of things that I did not expect to come of this episode, but Hades was one of the things that I was like, oh yeah, This just makes complete sense, the way that they characterized him and whatnot. It was great. I loved it. The way that he is kind of quick to the point and holds this power, but at the same time had this like sass to him was just absolutely great. I don't think I have talked about this enough, but the music that we are hearing at this point when Percy turns the corner and sees his mother for the first time again It's his theme. It seems to come in at any very very important moments for Percy and I honestly love hearing this and knowing this specific scene in general just shows emotion from his character and how much his mother again means to him as if we haven't really seen it enough. Moving on, despite the difficult decision to give Hades the bolt in exchange for his mom, he chooses the right thing or what he believes in the moment to not give the bolt to Hades because it did not seem right. This then again just shows how different he is from others in a unique and positive way. It is so important to recognize him that He is a good kid. He has the best intentions, and it really, really shows that here and has in the past as well. But I feel like it really stood out in this moment when it came down to the decision to save his mom or not give Hades the bolt. Dude was standing up to a god. Let's be real, this is not the first nor last time this will ever happen. But he is saying what he thinks is right, and it is so important to, again, just recognize this. Then the fact that, like, Hades is just genuinely confused about the entire situation. I love how Hades wanted absolutely nothing to do with his brothers, and how he is content living down in the underworld, which I think adds to the whole grudge and jealousy thing, and how Hades really just doesn't hold a grudge against them he just really wants nothing to kind of do with them and honestly it's fair if I was in the same situation I would not want to be part of that drama and all of that jealousy I would be content in the underworld too let's be real poor dude just wants his helm back okay so the fact that to this point we don't know Hades helm has also been stolen I think just shows a difference between Zeus and Hades. Hades doesn't really care one bit and says himself he doesn't really do the entire jealousy thing. He doesn't make a big deal out of it even though it is his big magical item. I feel like it just shows a lot more of who Hades is as a character. Not saying his way is civil because duh he's a god and you know there are going to be consequences but I'm just saying the way that he is not overreacting on this just again shows his character. As we have seen in the past, with the help of the gods there is always a consequence, but you know he just seems a lot less judgy about this entire situation. Moving on to when Percy figures out and comes to the realization that Kronos is behind this all, he put this all together tartarus Kronos, the dreams and the voices the fact that he is the one that puts this all together is again in my opinion super important i also find this for him as a character to stand alone with the fact that he is able to put this knowledge together without annabeth chiming in all the time again super important don't get me wrong, I do like this about their relationship and just them in general, It they complement each other in that way, but the fact that she is not there and he is able to use this information that he has been given or told in the past is super important for him as a character. And then the way that Hades is going to literally help Percy and his mother if Percy just gives him the bolt, again, I was like, what? Was not expecting this. Especially coming from a god, there, again, are always repercussions, but man, this is coming from a full-on god, one of the big three. The fact that he offered Percy sanctuary, this was a huge deal. The only question is how difficult you make it. Oof, this mirrors what Sally says to Percy in an earlier flashback in this show. Wow, it was... Literally, literally the exact same thing. With the fact that Percy is able to accept this offer, but at the same time make negotiations in that way that benefits both people, this, my friends, is Percy Jackson, loyalty and all, and the ability to stand up to a god without getting killed. Okay, next my most anticipated scene of the entire series. Well, it's just the entire flashback sequences that we get, but still I'm going in depth with this whole Poseidon and Sally conversation as well because, oh my god, the emotion that was poured out of me during this scene, it was beautiful. I loved it. This, again, entire section was one of the very many things that I was super excited to see happen in the show. It was very much alluded to us by Rick and Becky and it did not disappoint at all. This is so sad yet so understandable to watch as we go through this episode. I feel like we get to see more of Sally and her character and how she really is struggling as a single mom and figuring out what to do with her kids so nothing bad happens to him yeah we saw this kind of side of her in the beginning like very very beginning of the season but not to the point where Percy was younger and we see her struggle with this fact the way we see her fight for something she knows is right based on what others say is wrong in this headmaster's office she's really fighting for an equal chance for her kid and she will not take no for an answer this is why she is one of my favorite characters of all time. I believe her to be strong and resilient and still be able to have a vulnerable and motherly side to her and I love her so deeply for this. In this conversation we get between Sally and Percy in the diner also shows how much it is hurting her as well, I mean hurting both of them to the certain extent, but still hurting her so deeply. We saw Percy's anger and frustration about having to change schools towards the beginning of the episode in the flashback we see in the car. Here, we see how much of a toll it has taken on her as well. Percy asks, Why are you trying so hard to get rid of me? I wouldn't do this to you. I'm sorry. What? This had me sobbing. This literally was the point of where I just started crying the rest of the episode. Okay. Maybe not really, but seriously, it was so heartbreaking to watch, knowing Sally is already trying to do the best she can just to keep her kids safe. And, you know, the only safe place to be is unfortunately away from her in this situation. She looks absolutely devastated for this and ends up leaving, but still is, it was just so saddening, so just touching, so heartbreaking to watch. And I'm sorry, but the fact that Sally burned an offering for Poseidon and then he came about two seconds later without a single thought, he came, she called. Oh my gosh. Just the way that they are talking to each other. First of all, the way that he just walks in to this diner, like the fade in of him, his figure coming closer to her, top tier. Top tier. I absolutely loved it. And then again, just the way that they are talking to each other. There's something about the fact that Sally and Poseidon aren't looking at each other at all, but are talking in such an emotional and heartbreaking way to each other. I've said this before, I will say it again. I was not expecting to like Poseidon. I had mixed feelings about him in the books, and I bet. Later on in the series, I still will have mixed feelings about him, but in this moment, this vulnerable moment, man, I was really starting to feel it. This is again just such a vulnerable moment for Sally as she is clearly as she is clearly struggling with a lot on her mind and trying to keep her child safe. You say it and I will listen. What? This was another what? Big what that came out of my mouth. The respect we are getting from a god to Sally is immensely unheard of, and I am beginning to question things altogether. Let's be real. This man, god, person, being able to show up for her on such short notice, obviously caring towards her and Percy, and not just thinking he was obviously a mistake at this point in the show, as much as we have seen so far. And just hear her out? It is something we have never seen before, but the fact that now we know this can happen, I am expecting it to happen more often. Thank you very much. I want him to know who he is before your family tries to tell him who they want him to be. Oh man, that hit right home. And the fact that we see this happening between the conversation that we get between. Annabeth and Hephaestus and the way that Percy is thinking about the gods in the world that he has just been introduced to Sally says he is better than that therefore recalling another very similar quote that we got from Annabeth earlier in the season Sally raised him so well I love this character I love her she is just oh so good when Sally asked Poseidon if he wants to just see Percy to hear his voice You can hear a thunder, like, crack outside. It just makes me question things that he, Poseidon, said to Hermes if he actually believed it or it was just Zeus all along in his head saying he can't visit or mess with Percy's fate. Because the way the thunder cracks this moment, he laid eyes on Percy, just makes me really question the fact that Zeus probably ordered Poseidon to stay away from Percy. It is beginning to heavily question the world and their antics and how and why they have to stay away from their children, how they have to make sacrifices and hard choices to make sure their kid survives and stays safe. I'm sorry, I will need at least an entire week to recover from this scene, let alone this episode. Thank you very much. And I just watched it again, so maybe at this point I'll need like a month. Okay, final scene. Before I end this section of the segment, I just wanted to mention the last ending voiceover that we get because I don't think people are talking about this enough. Now, I mean from what I've seen, I haven't seen many talk about this and I find it to be fascinating and so important as well. The fact that we are getting this voiceover from Poseidon during this last little quick ending scene is a huge deal if you really listen to what he says and believe me i was kind of caught off guard in all of the action of it the first time and didn't really listen to him but the second time and further times that i watched this around it really shows that he is listening to sally hearing her out and respecting her choices as his mother it gives me the chills just thinking about it because it is just so powerful to hear a queen among women, as he calls her in the books. I keep repeating this, but it is so true. The fact that he is literally there for her within seconds, you can hear it start raining and then he freaking shows up. I will not shut up about this. Again, I was not expecting to be like, huh, wow, he kind of has a point. Or, oh, yeah, maybe he really should be staying away from them. And this is a really tough decision for him completely was not expecting to feel that way at the end of this episode. He says at one point on that day, I will be by his side. What? I'm sorry, what? Ken was not expecting that to come out of his mouth during this scene. And the fact that it is literally the same scene where Annabeth is helping them up. They see Ares again and the entire stakes of this all just rises It's immensely just so powerful to hear. Can I also just mention that they are in the same location as the opening scene slash dream that we got at the beginning of the series in Montauk? I think I said Santa Monica earlier in this episode, but I really meant to say Montauk. And it's so cool to see how they were transported back to this beginning flashback scene that we got at the beginning of the series. It's a complete full circle moment. Going back to Annabeth helping him up, leaving poor Grover to his own devices, I think someone needs to tell that this is a slow burn. Like, the the intense eye contact that we are getting between them is too much for me to handle. If this is what we are getting for the next four seasons, I am here for it. It's going to be so good, but also, at the same time, I think it's almost too much for me to handle. It's exhilarating, and man, I am so excited for the finale. Okay, moving on to some Greek mythology. We meet Krusty, or Procrustus, son of Poseidon and owner of Krusty's waterbed palace. He was a robber who killed his victims in the basically the most violent way possible. Cute. He made all of his victims lie on an iron bed, and with those who were too long for the bed, he would cut off any access limbs. For those who were too short, he would stretch them to fit the bed. Making them just right. Sounds kind of like a Goldilocks scenario. He takes into no account people's differences and just wants the same result for each. It is quite horrifying, actually, and in the world of Percy Jackson, he does this with waterbeds, also hinting towards his Poseidon lineage. He ended up being slain by Theseus. Charon, who I can't pronounce his name, so I'm so sorry if I pronounced it wrong, in Greek mythology, the ferryman who transports the dead across the River Styx and the Acheon to enter the underworld. He brought only the dead who had received the rites of burial, and in return, his payment was a coin that was placed in his mouth of the corpse. There's not a lot of information about him, but he is a mysterious person and figure, so it makes sense. But this also then ties back to why Percy and Grover insisted on trying to pay Charon for their passage through the gate. Our favorite three-headed dog, Cerberus, is the guard and watchdog of the gate to the underworld. Now, in this version, and many other versions, he is said to have three heads. The poet, Hestioid, however, described him to have 50. That, my friends, is a lot of weight. He is also said to have the heads of snakes on his back and a serpent tail. So, definitely a lot more scarier than the giant Rottweiler that we are seeing in the show. Cerberus's job, along with guarding the gate, was to devour any souls that tried to escape the underworld as well, or in this case, sneak into the palace. There is one other instance where Orpheus charmed Cerberus to let him through the gates. Our ruler, and the king of the underworld, not the jealous type, Hades, makes his debut appearance in this episode. He is the god of the dead and hidden wealth, including gold and silver, Poseidon, Hades, Demeter, Hestia, and Hera were the five gods that were devoured by Kronos himself and later saved by Zeus. When the three brothers were dividing the land between them, Hades, got a little bit of the short end of the stick here, got the underworld as his domain. Although, based on what we have seen of him, he's doing just fine. (laughs) His magical item, the Helm of Darkness, allows him to turn invisible. His wife and queen of the underworld, Persephone, was originally kidnapped by him because nothing can be civil. Favorite parts of the episode time. To say I had a few moments from this episode would be a little bit of an understatement. This entire thing had me gasping and yelling a lot of what's loudly at the screen, and I am not ashamed of it. Hey, you are lucky we are letting you keep your head, dummy. Don't push it. Yes, Annabeth, take charge. You tell him. Is it over? Oh, poor sweet Grover. It is never over, but yes, in this instance, it is. And why was the only thing that popped into my head at this moment, Is It Over Now by Taylor Swift? No one is turning back till we all come back. I love the resilience here that we see in Annabeth, and it also shows that she has the utmost confidence that they will all make it out. Dude, don't make me come back out there. Okay, this entire first part is just Annabeth quote. This is not a negotiation. The only question is how ugly you're going to make it before we say goodbye. That was... That was that was something. Anyway, um, the entire Underworld set slash visuals? Absolutely gorgeous. We're not in Kansas, Percy. Hey, focus. We left Kansas four days ago, Annabeth. She has no clue. Percy, you have to take this girl to the movie theaters ASAP. Only suckers wait in line. Per Sassy is working overtime in this scene and it was just pure hilarious. I mean, we're all dying to some extent. I mean, he's not wrong. But I am sad we didn't get the whole bathtub line and the fake out to like get into the underworld, but that's alright. This, this kind of made up for it. Annabeth scratching Cerberus was such a fun callback to the books where the chapter's name is literally Annabeth does obedience school. And I absolutely loved it. Annabeth hanging off the edge of the cliff and Percy helping her up with the help of Grover. But still, I'll leave it at that. Annabeth has a strong arm. I literally, okay, she literally threw a red squeaky ball that doesn't, is not very dense. Like it doesn't, It's a squeaky ball from the top of the wall into the river sticks. Granted, it doesn't look terribly far and, you know, gravity, like, helps out in this. But damn, girl, you do have a strong arm. Some people are better off with their parents. See, I saw this as Sally immediately trying to protect Percy because this is what the headmaster says to her because of the things he is seeing. And later we see in the episode two... We are not just seeing that Percy has been kicked out of schools, but he has had to be withdrawn for his own safety, which I think also raises the stakes for him being a child of the big three. And I actually really loved this. Um, Rather than having him being kicked out of, you know, six schools in six years, it made a lot more sense for Sally to have to withdraw him because of the things he was seeing. I liked this little add-in. The way Percy, even though he knows it's useless, continues to try and get Annabeth out of the route that she is stuck into. Perfection. I loved this so much. They care for each other so much. All three of them. She literally has to yell his name to stop. Percy saving Grover from falling into the bottomless pit, the route that they took here, and the way that Hades was portrayed. Also, Hades trying to make a joke in the moment was so unnecessary, yet so funny at the same time. I also loved how Hades wanted nothing to do with his brothers, and how he is content on living down in the underworld. Hold fast, Mom. Dude, as if this episode hasn't broken me enough, we get a callback to what Sally said to Percy based on the myth of Perseus. It was a great parallel. I am so glad that they put this here. The entire conversation... That we get between Sally and Poseidon. Just pure emotion and the struggle we see Sally has gone through is saddening knowing she is trying to do the best she can for her child. Sally literally burns an offering and about five seconds later, Poseidon shows up. I'm sorry, again, what? First of all, I knew Poseidon was going to show up, but I did not know he was going to answer Sally's call. Literally immediately. Sooner or later, it's not just going to be pretty things that are following him. I want him to know who he is before your family tries to tell him who they want him to be. His mother raised him well. Yes, she did. Oh, this entire segment was so good. It had me in tears. One day, when he knows who he is and where he belongs, this was Poseidon, on that day, I'll be by his side. But I was not expecting to like Poseidon in this way. I didn't think that this was supposed to happen. To be honest, I did not like him at first, which was understandable. But then when he showed up for Sally, literally seconds after she sent that offering, and then that line? Ah, no, but yes, but no, I don't know. They're messing with my very delicate emotions in this, at this point in this show. Annabeth helping Percy up. I don't know why. I just loved this, the eye contact that they make. Annabeth, like, looking up at him, him looking kind of down at her. She looks away first, and then he keeps his eyes on her and then looks away. That's it, folks. Percy Beth, right there. And of course, the voiceover in the end, just the entirety of it, it was just chill-inducing, and it was so beautiful with the music and the scenery. It really, really blended together very well. Moving on to some Easter eggs, foreshadowing, and parallel moments. I do have a few for us to dive into today, so let's get started. And these are mainly the ones that I have not mentioned earlier in this episode. So a cool little Easter egg that we got, their acting coach that was on set with our actors, Andrew, uh, was actually a part of the scene where Sally is talking to the new headmaster of this new school in one of the flashbacks. This is a really cool little add-in here and a fun way to incorporate someone who has been a huge help in part to the entire cast. If you have not read The Heroes of Olympus, go away for a second. I'm assuming that everyone who is listening to this has, but just, just in case. So this moment that we see Annabeth literally hanging on to the edge of the wall, just you know, hanging out there, because why not. Is this foreshadowing for a specific book in the future where they maybe in fact fall? She's not supposed to be hanging on for dear life yet. This really got me thinking about the fact that they really love to hang off cliffs, Or jump off of them. Or just dive off of them in general. Okay, sorry, that was very unnecessary. Anyway, it's just a thought. I know that this is, there is speculation about this, and who knows if it could be foreshadowing or not, but I kind of saw it as. Okay, parallel moment. So we see in Hades' palace, Sally was turned to gold to preserve her and keep her safe when Hades took her from the Minotaur. Does this parallel to when Percy was turned to gold to help Annabeth finish the quest? Who knows if this is an actual parallel between the two, but in this case, Sally decides to stay back so Percy can survive and continue to camp, which was his quest in the moment. And Percy, when he sits in Hephaestus's chair, turns to gold so Annabeth could survive and continue on with their quest. I saw this as a very cool parallel. Again, this may not even have been a thought in their mind when this happened, but I saw it as very cool, if it is. Okay, another parallel that I noticed, and I believe a few others did, but while Percy, again, was turning to gold when sitting in the chair, in Festus's chair, and Annabeth being stuck, unable to finish the quest with them, was a huge parallel, in my opinion. In this case, Annabeth, she ended up using the pearl and couldn't finish the quest with them, but in But both of their reactions when this happened were kind of similar. Annabeth basically yelling at Percy to stand up and not giving up the chance to free her, even though she has already tried and it didn't work. Also, the fact that they care for each other so much now. Parallel, I say. And then my final parallel that I have is when Sally is talking to Poseidon, she tells him that Percy is better than people in his world. He will be better because he is not at camp and learning from school and Sally herself. This then parallels to what Annabeth said in episode five while she was talking to Hephaestus. She says, he's better than that. Literally almost repeating what Sally said in this flashback. Annabeth doesn't want to be like the rest of them and she states here she wants to be like Percy. Therefore, again, showing us how well Sally raised him And how this turned out in the end, with the sacrifices made by sending Percy away to school and holding back from sending him to camp for so long, she really made this wish of hers come true. And it's really beautiful to see this happen and this parallel moment come into play. The emotional turmoil this episode put me through was unmatched. I don't know if I was just extra vulnerable in the moment, but man, this episode was deeply emotionally wrecking i feel like most of the time my first watch is just like my genuine reactions and pure emotion it sometimes fogs the underlying side of things but definitely like the second third fourth time that i watched the episode the depth and those underlying meanings really stood out and man the depth of this episode the underlying meanings of this episode was so heartbreaking eye-opening and just overall just wonderful to see happen before us it was beautiful i loved it thank you all for listening today i can't believe that there is only one episode left it's so sad yet i am so excited to see the finale and i can't wait to move on and do the deep dives of the books yes i have mentioned this in previous episodes but that is my plan i hope to have a more solid one on when I'm going to get started with this soon but for now let us just relish in the fact that it is the last week we will ever have to wait for an episode until, fingers crossed, for the millionth time next season. If you enjoyed please do share with family and friends. You can follow me on Instagram at riptedrewindpod for any Percy Jackson related content and just information about this podcast in general. Thank you so much for listening again. I'll see you guys later. Bye!